Hello there. Welcome to my Two Cents Podcast, Money in the Bank 2013 review. I'm your host, G2. I just got done watching Money in the Bank. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this event was great from top to bottom. This whole match card was literally off the chart. Um, part of it is from the UK crowd. They went completely all night cheering everything, booing things, cheering things, making their own chants up. I mean, the UK crowd had a blast. The same thing that uh, the Puerto Rican crowd had at Backlash. You put it over in UK. You carry that exact same energy, and it just looks like it times it by just like five because they were loud throughout the whole entire night. And this further proves why WWE needs to go into the international market instead of just staying in America and having pay-per-views in America. They need to go over to the Canada. They need to go over to the Mexico. They need to go over to the Puerto Rican market. They need to go over into the European market and allow these people to chant and fully embrace and get the WWE uh, spectacular in their environment so that the crowd and also the wrestlers can feel that uh, warm embrace that they felt tonight at Money in the Bank because watching it, you just were able to feel it through the screen how much the fans enjoyed the show and how much the wrestlers themselves enjoyed being there. But now getting off of that, it's time for me to talk about the show. Money in the Bank, as I said before, was great from top to bottom and starting us off was the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. You had LA Knight, Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, Butch, Damian Priest, Logan Paul and Santos Escobar and Damian Priest would win the match and become Mr. Money in the Bank or as Mr. Priest would like to be called Senior Money in the Bank. Um, highlights of this match was everybody at times would just be dogpiling on Logan Paul. Logan Paul was the outsider. He still will be known as the outsider coming into a wrestling business and the wrestlers there would dogpile on Logan Paul anytime he would get any like inkling of climbing a ladder just the wrestlers would just go in there yank them down and it just seemed like logan paul just was a magnet for all the wrestlers to come down to start beating up on him um logan would uh hit priest with a frog splash as priest was laying on a ladder ricochet would hit a springboard 450 splash onto butch and santos as they were on a ladder um, Butch would hit a moonsault off of a ladder onto everybody outside of the ring. Ricochet and Logan Paul, they will smash through two tables outside of the ring when Ricochet would hit Logan with a Spanish fly. Now, the thing on that was, um, LA Knight pushed Ricochet and Logan Paul off the ladder. They caught themselves on the ropes, and Ricochet had to grab Logan so they can flip that into a Spanish fly through two tables outside of the ring. And when he did that uh, move, Logan Paul like landed on his head on the table and he was left like uh, with a scar on his shoulder blade and he was able to show it on Twitter, a photo of it, and you see the bruise that he has and he just says that he loves the sport. So Logan Paul is not just an outsider. He is, I would say he has gained the respect of the fans and he's gained the respect of the wrestlers that he's in the ring with because he always goes out there, put on a spectacular moment, and he's always out there to put his body on the line the same way that the wrestlers do every single night that they're out there. 
So with saying that, again, Logan Paul has the respect of everybody that he's in the ring with and also the fans that are watching uh, the WWE product. Now, towards the end of the match, you will see LA Knight getting so close to unclipping the briefcase. He's up there. You hear the people cheering for LA Knight. LA Knight is, without a shadow of a doubt, like the favorite throughout this match. People want LA Knight to win. They want him to become Mr. Money in the Bank. And as soon as he's about to unclip it, Damian Priest gets up there. Damian and Knight start uh, duking it out with each other for a minute. But Priest would suplex Knight off the ladder. Priest would then climb it back up and then unclip the briefcase. So now Damian Priest is Mr. Money in the Bank. Um, I'm not mad that Damian Priest won it. I'm truly not. I just thought since, again, LA Knight, he's so over. Uh... It would be the most obvious choice to have him carry the briefcase. Hopefully, WWE booking has something for Knight. Um, Ricochet wouldn't have been a bad decision either because the money in the bank is supposed to prop up guys to become that main event star. LA Knight, he is over, but I think that using the excuse that he's over, he doesn't need this win is baloney. Because if that was the case, Hulk Hogan was over. He didn't need to hold the WWE title as much. Roman Reigns is over. He doesn't need to hold the freaking WWE championship for the last three years as he's held it. There's a lot of people that were over. Hell, John Cena, he was over. Did he need to hold the championship as much as he did? No. But guess what? He held it. All those men that I said before, they held championships for a period of time. LA Knight, he's over. Why not give him the briefcase? Sometimes it's so simple. The booking people in the back just decided to like annex that and be like, nah, we're going a different direction. But Damian Priest being the man to win it, I'm not mad at that, to be honest. I would have been mad and pissed off if they would have given it to Logan, but Priest holding it, I'm not mad at that. And I don't think nobody in WWE is mad at that neither. And also, this wouldn't be the last time we would see Damian Priest out there. Now, next matchup, Women's Tag Team Championship match. The champions, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler going against the challengers, uh, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. Liv and Raquel would win the match by pinfall thanks to Shayna Baszler turning her back on Ronda Rousey. When it looked like Liv was dead to rights and you just see Ronda mounting herself up to attack Liv Morgan, out from nowhere, Shayna Baszler would just go behind Ronda and start attacking her. She would like mount up on Ronda, beat her down on her, and then lock in the Carafuda clutch, or I call it the Coquina clutch, on Ronda, and then she will leave the ring. Now, mind you, Shayna and Ronda, they were already, like, midway in the match of battling with Raquel and Liv when Shayna decides to do this, so it caught everybody everybody uh, by surprise when Shayna did this to Ronda, and once Shayna leaves, you can see uh, Ronda just be confused, and she's calling out for Shayna, and then Raquel and Liv, they will take advantage of this. Raquel will hit Ronda with the Tejano Bomb. And then Liv will hit Ronda with Oblivion to win the match to become the new Women Tag Team Champions. Now, I can sense where this is going. I think Shayna is going to say that she was tired of playing second fiddle to Ronda. She's always been playing second fiddle to Ronda all of her career. She could probably go with the states of in MMA. I had to play second fiddle to Ronda now in WWE where I started off first, where I came here, I was the name, I was the person that people looked at, but then once Rhonda came in, she again took my shine, she just couldn't leave something 
that I was doing alone. She had to get her hands into it. I could see that being Shayna's reasoning for turning on Ronda, if that's the way that they're going with it, which I think they are. But if they don't go with that one, I'm interested to see what type of storyline we're getting between Ronda and Shayna. But that's the way we're going with this. Ronda and Shayna is going to be the match that we're probably going to get at SummerSlam. But not to step on the new tag team champions, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan, they are your new women's tag team champions in an outcome I didn't think nobody expected. Now, next up, the Intercontinental Championship match. Gunther with Imperium going against uh, Matt Riddle. Gunther would retain his championship by making Matt Riddle tap out. When Gunther would grab Riddle's taped up ankle and just repeatedly strike it until he would then lock in an Achilles lock and Riddle would tap out. Now, the story of this match is Riddle comes in with a taped up ankle and Riddle would time from time to time in this match would hop on and off the ankle because you can't hold, you can't be on an ankle that's weakened, especially when your opponent is constantly going after that ankle throughout the match. And that's what happened. You see Gunther, he is one of the old school style wrestlers. He has power, he has strikes. He's more of a striking type guy because his chops hurt people in the chest and he will stomp on, uh, your opponent's foot, he will stomp on his opponent's foot, he'll stomp on their arms, he will really just try to old school break down an opponent to make sure they're weakened and tired out, and that's what he did with Riddle here, and Riddle did try to strike back with Gunther, he did his best, but Gunther, he was just better than Riddle on this night, and it didn't live up to the hype for what I would think a Gunther versus Riddle match would do, but again, this is a storyline aspect, they still gotta sell the story of Riddle's uh, ankle being taped up and Riddle coming in there probably about a good 75% while Gunther's coming in at 100%. So I understand why we didn't get that uh, high intensity of a match that we should have gotten between a Gunther and Riddle. But again, they're still playing into the story here. However, not to disappoint anyone, after the match, Gunther would hold up his Intercontinental Championship and then Drew McIntyre's music would hit and Drew McIntyre would walk to the ring to the surprise of everyone because there were reports going around for a good couple weeks of Drew McIntyre not being on uh, television. And the reports would be that Drew and WWE have not come to an agreement on Drew's new contract. Uh, Drew was in negotiations with them. They didn't know if he was going to stay with WWE or just leave. So when Drew's music hit and he started walking towards the ring, that kind of confirmed everything. And Wade Barrett on commentary even commented on this, and once Drew got in the ring, he would get in Gunther's face, and Gunther would then shove Drew, Drew would hit Gunther with a Glasgow kiss, which is a headbutt to the head, and then hit him with a Claymore kick, and Gunther would be laid out, so we have our destination, more than likely SummerSlam, Gunther versus Drew for the Intercontinental Championship, and also, this is Drew's first time back on television since WrestleMania, when Gunther went against both Drew and Sheamus. So it was good to see Drew here in the UK in front of his people. And again, we know where we're going. SummerSlam, Gunther, Drew, and the kind of championship. I just want to see the weekly televisions of how we're going to get there. That's all I care about. Now, next up, Cody Rhodes going against Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley by Dominic's corner. Uh, Cody would win the match by pinfall using the crossroads for the win. I did not expect Cody to win this. I thought we were going to lean into... Uh, Dominic winning thanks to Brock Lesnar because Cody and Brock's uh, their whole storyline isn't over yet. 
I thought this would just be a way to kind of pivot into the Brock aspect since Dominic kind of pivoted himself into the Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar situation. Since Brock hasn't been on television that much, we had to give Cody something to do. So we gave him Dom. That's the reason why I thought we were going to get Brock here. But no, Brock did not show up. Um, At the beginning of the match, you will see Dom like hit Cody with a couple cheap shots, then leave the ring. Cody would have to chase him until Cody got tired of it. And Cody would just let the jig be known that he has his arm at 100% because Cody would be wearing a cast at this time and also weeks before this uh, matchup. And now he takes the cast off. He lets Dom know that his hand's 100% healed. And then it was off to the races for Cody. Cody just started dominating uh, Dominic Mysterio in this match. And Cody wins. So it was a good, fun match just to kind of chill the crowd down a little bit before the next big surprise would happen. Because after this match would happen and the ring is emptied out, John Cena would come to the ring to the shock of everyone. John Cena hasn't been around since WrestleMania, and usually John's on his, like, one-time appearance deal. He'll pop in from time to time, but those time-to-times will be, like, on a Raw or even a SmackDown. Not a big-time, like, event like this. The last time he did something like this was literally two years ago at Money in the Bank when Roman defeated Edge, and then John Cena had the confrontation with Roman to end off Money in the Bank. So, John being here in the UK, it shocked everyone. Uh, John will talk about receiving the love and the appreciation from the people in London. And he talks about how the people in the UK are showing their support to everyone and showing out. John will say that it's been over 20 years since WWE has had a WWE pay-per-view or premium live event in London. And John will then play into the crowd and ask what took them so long to bring us back here to you guys and then john would say that the decision makers find that london tries to take the show over but john would say that london doesn't try to take over the show they are the show and that's when john would say that he is here on behalf of the uk people and that he's trying to get wrestlemania in london now the uk have been petitioning for years to have wrestlemania in london so once John says this, the fans get rowdy. They cheer at the top of their lungs because now there looks like there seems to be a possibility for WrestleMania to be in London. And as they're cheering, Grayson Waller will come out. Grayson Waller will tell John how much he means to him, how much John Cena is an inspiration. John would just stand there listen to Grayson Waller. Grayson will tell John that having WrestleMania in London isn't going to happen. WrestleMania needs to be in a place where it's beautiful, has nice-looking people in their bikinis, somewhere like it's warm, somewhere like Australia, because that's where Grayson Waller is from. So Grayson would downplay London, then tell John that he can get him a place on the WrestleMania card by being a guest on the Grayson Waller effect. Since the last few times John Cena has been in the ring, he's been on the losing end, and he will list off John's last few matches. Against Theory at WrestleMania, loss. Against Roman at SummerSlam, loss. And then against The Fiend at WrestleMania in 2020, he lost as well. John will tell Grayson that he passes on that. Grayson will tell John that no one passes on the Grayson Waller effect. John will then bypass what Grayson just said and again play up to the crowd of having WrestleMania in London. Grayson Waller would take offense to this. He would 
hit John Cena from behind and then hit him a couple more times as John's on the ground. Then Grayson would taunt the fans. John would then get up, hit Grayson Waller with an attitude adjustment. Grayson Waller would roll out of the ring. And then we would hit John Cena's music. And that's the segment. John Cena and Grayson Waller had their segment here. Again, now it's been put out into the air. Maybe uh, WrestleMania will come to London. We'll have to wait and see now. But the ball is now in WWE's court because they heard uh, the London fans cheer for it. And me as a spectator, I wouldn't mind seeing WrestleMania in London, even though I would probably have to watch WWE probably at 2 o'clock or even 1 o'clock in the afternoon on the American side. But just to see how much rowdy uh, the fans will be getting over there in the UK, I wouldn't mind seeing that, to be honest with you. So maybe, just maybe, WrestleMania might go over um, and be in London. So next matchup on the card will be the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. You have Becky Lynch, Io Sky, Bailey, uh, Zoe Starks, Selena Vega, and God, there's one more person. Who am I forgetting? I don't know. I think that's it, to be honest. Um, either who, Io would become Miss Money in the Bank when Becky and Bailey were battling on the ladder. Becky had one arm that was like cuffed because Zoe Stark tried to handcuff. Uh, Becky to the turnbuckle earlier in the match, but couldn't do so. So as Becky and Bailey are battling on the ladder, EO would see the cuff and cuff it to Bailey. So now Bailey and Becky are handcuffed to one another and their arms are like in between the ladders. EO would take this time to climb the back of Bailey, then go to the top of the ladder, unclip the briefcase, and EO is now the Miss Money in the Bank. Now, the story of this Money in the Bank match was focused a lot on Becky and Trish and their whole rivalry. Zoe Stark would interfere from time to time, but that's really where this match was literally centered around. Highlights of this match would consist of Io hitting a moonsault off the top of the ladder onto the competitors inside of the ring, Becky hitting Trish Stratus with a manhandle slam on the ladder, Selena Vega hitting Zoe Stark with a flipping powerbomb off the top of the ladder onto another ladder, and there was a time when Io was on the top of the ladder and she was about to uncook uh, the briefcase off the hook. But Bailey would push Io off the top of the ladder. And at that time, you would think there's going to be some friction. Io's going to get back at Bailey, get up and start punching her. But that doesn't happen. But it seems that Io would get the ultimate last laugh by handcuffing Bailey and Becky together. So seeing Io win Miss Money in the Bank is a good thing. Everybody was hoping for this one too. So the fans got one out of the two of their uh, people that they selected. As I said, the men's money in the bank, the people wanted LA Knight. We didn't get that. We got Damian Priest. For the women's money in the bank, people wanted EO Sky, and we got this. So, hey, we got one out of the two. That's not bad. Now, next matchup, the World Heavyweight Championship match. Seth Rollins, the champion, going against Finn Balor. Seth would win the match by pinfall, thanks in part two. Damian Priest. When Finn Balor was going to hit the coup de grace on Seth, Damian Priest, who was already out there, he was sitting on a chair and he would leap up from the chair and walk towards the ring. Finn would look at Priest and mouth to him, what is he doing? Priest would stop, look at Finn. Finn would then focus his uh, energy back on Seth, look to hit the coup de grace. Once he jumped off the top turnbuckle, Seth would roll out of the way. 
Finn would drop to his knees, and Seth would hit the curb stomp to win the match. Now, a lot of this match was dominated by Finn on Seth Rollins. I couldn't believe that. I thought we would have got a 50-50 matchup between Seth and Finn. No, I'll say this was about a good 70-30. Seth was on the receiving end of a butt whooping from Finn, and also Seth had a kinetic or kinesio-style tape on his ribs, so uh, Finn went after Seth's ribs in this matchup. Solid match between Seth and Finn. Once, it looked like Seth was starting to get the advantage on Finn, though. Damian Priest will come down, and it will look like Damian's going to cash in, but he never does. He just taunts Seth, and then that's whenever he would just pull up a chair and watch the match. So, as it's being circulated in everybody's mind now, we're starting to see the, the friction between Finn and Damien has always been there. It's been there leading up to this match between Seth and Finn, and it just seems that Damien was paying back Finn for what he did to him a couple weeks ago on Monday Night Raw when Damien challenged Seth for the World Heavyweight Championship, and Finn came out to disrupt the match, even though Priest told Finn to stay in the back. So now we have the dissension between Finn and Damien, and even after the match, Finn would be arguing with Priest, and you can hear Finn say, I've been waiting seven years for this opportunity, and you cost me that. So I can see, leading up into SummerSlam, again, I think we're going to get Seth versus Finn again at SummerSlam, and even with the prospect of Damien probably cashing it in, and probably being a triple threat at SummerSlam, maybe, I could just see that probably being a possibility, but we'll have to wait and see. But for right now, Seth Rollins is still the World Heavyweight Champion. Now, moving over into the main event, Bloodline Civil War, the Usos going against the WWE Undisputed uh, Universal Champion Roman Reigns and Sol Sokoa with Paul Heyman in their corner. The Usos would win the match by pinfall when Roman Reigns and Jey Uso would go back and forth battling in the ring. Jay would hit Roman with a super kick. Roman would hit him with a Superman punch. Jay again with another super kick. Roman with a spear. And Roman would pin Jay. One, two. Jay would kick out and he does it Roman Reigns style. He pays back Roman literally three years later for what Roman did to him when Jay would lift up his arms. But when he does so, he would low blow Roman right in the nuts. And that's a maneuver Roman Reigns used to do, but he hasn't done in a long time. So I like that they pulled that one out of the rabbit uh, bag. Because again, we haven't seen that uh, kick out in such some time now. So for Jay to pull that out of the bag, we have that here. Uh, Jimmy would get in and you just start seeing Jimmy and Jay both hit Roman with super kicks. And then once Roman got up, you saw the Usos hit a double super kick on Roman, Roman goes down, uh, Jimmy tags in Jay, Jay goes up to the top rope, he has a Uso splash on Roman, one, two, three, Jay Uso pinned Roman Reigns, ending Roman's three and a half year reign of not being pinned, Jay Uso was the man to do so, this is full circle storytelling at its finest, Jay Uso is more than likely now in line to get a world championship matchup at SummerSlam because that's what everybody has been clamoring for, for Jay to be the one to take the title off of Roman. Now, a couple things to look back at this match when you do 
you now are starting to see the cracks in Roman's foundation here. Because when Roman and Solo, towards the end of the match, they were dominating. They were beating the Usos down. And at one point, you saw Solo come and hit both of the Usos with a Samoan spike. He throws Jimmy out of the ring. Uh, Solo lifts up uh, Jay and he holds him. So Roman and Solo could do a spear Samoan spike combo. Roman pins Jay Uso. And once the referee does the one, two, and you think it's over, and Jay kicks out, Roman is going into, well, he's going into panic mode. My man curls up. He almost looks like he's about to curl up into a ball, if he could. But he brings his legs together. He has his hands over his face. He looks like he wants to cry because he has no idea what to do. Solo stepped up, and Solo looked at Roman, and he just started going to work. He just started putting the beat down more on Jay and on Jimmy, and then that would reawoken Roman in his energy to go back and start beating up on Jay. I mean, Solo was the MVP for his team, for him and Roman. He was the surge that helped keep the fire in Roman alive. Now, with Roman taking the pin, I can see Roman kind of going to say that this is all Solo's fault, and Solo probably going to want to small spike Roman. We're probably going to get that sometime soon. Sooner than anybody expected, to be honest. Because Roman doesn't like to take losses lightly. He doesn't. He blames them on other individuals. And now with this, with him being the one to eat the pin, it's going to be interesting on SmackDown to see that chemistry between Roman and Solo. And you know the Usos are going to rub it right in Roman's face so bad. So it's going to be a fun discourse to see on SmackDown was going to happen this week. If anything, if you don't watch Raw, you don't watch SmackDown, you don't watch NXT religiously, I I am begging you here, watch Monday Night Raw this week to see what's going to happen with the fallout with Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Damian Priest. I beg of you, watch SmackDown to watch what's going to happen between the whole bloodline saga of Roman Solo and the Usos. Now with Jey Uso more than likely positioning himself to be the one to take the titles off of Roman. And Jay's going to probably call a shot. He's going to challenge Roman for a match at SummerSlam. Or if they want to turn this a different way, we could say Roman's going to challenge Jay at SummerSlam because Roman doesn't take losing in any fashion. He's literally a spoiled, rotten baby. And Roman has been pinned in so long. So I can see Roman being the one to challenge Jay. So we could see that. But again, I beg of you, watch Raw, watch SmackDown this week, and also watch NXT, for the love of God. NXT is a great show. But if you don't watch NXT, watch Raw and SmackDown, please, because you're doing yourself a disservice for not watching any of these shows if you follow professional wrestling. Just poke your head in and just watch it this week. Now, having said all that, that's my Money in the Bank review. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, I have a Sunday episode out right now. It's called Changing of the Guard. Go listen to that. And also, if you did not listen to my midweek episode, it's out there right now. The song of the week for that episode is uh, Schoolboy Q featuring Kendra Lamar Collar Green. But other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed my review of Money in the Bank. You guys will hear from me again Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday for all my respective episodes. I love you all. I thank you. And I'll see you guys later. I was only meant to get us to the promised land. You're meant to keep us here. You're meant to keep us here. You're meant to keep us at the top of the mountain. Wise man said that 
we start grooming you, but no, 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 no. We've been grooming you for over three years now. Three years now of hard work and, and equity into you. Why do you think you're the right-hand man? Why do you think we put you in a position to become the main event, Jey Uso? Because you're meant to lead. 